my other kick on that for doctors is that real estate is hardly passive. It's a lot of work. If you want to be a good doctor, work on being a good doctor. If you want to be if you want to be a full time real estate investor, that's a full time job. Welcome to the Real Estate Mogul MD podcast. Thanks for tuning in and taking control of your financial future. This is a show where we not only motivate and inspire, we give you actionable real-world experience to help you live life by design. You'll hear journeys and stories from other physicians, investors, coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, Brett Riggins. Has anybody around you ever told you that you should not buy real estate? That you, as a physician, should not be buying flipping, holding real estate at all. And you definitely shouldn't be taking out a loan to do it. In today's conversation, I welcome Dr. Saveka, who has a, a, a different perspective than I do in real estate. And I got the opportunity just to ask the questions, almost flip the script, because I am a, a child when it comes to um, curiosity. I love having childlike curiosity to understand not only the good, but the bad as well too. And understanding where the risk may be, where the fail points may be, and getting everybody's perspective of that as well too. So stay tuned for this conversation. And I really get to open up the platform and let Dr. Saveka uh, express his perspective. And we're going to bounce a few questions back and forth. What do you say? Just hang out here for a minute. Let's, let's get into this conversation. All right, Jody, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well, doing wonderful. Never been better. I absolutely love saying that. And these days when I say that, sometimes it still gives me goosebumps because I'm, I believe it. Never been, never been better. And I believe it. How about you? Oh yeah, I would, I would go with that. I'm uh, kind of an incurable optimist. So, you know, any day is a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being grateful for being able to you know, open our eyes in the morning and breathe and, and get to do the things that, that we love doing. And one of those things that you get to do, Jody, is you're a physician. Tell us a little bit about where that came from, um, the idea of getting started and where you're at now. Okay. Well, I have a fairly schizophrenic work history and uh, trying to recreate my professional path is kind of like trying to track a squirrel through the forest. Mm-hmm. I actually, my first job was being a paper boy, which I believe have has long since passed. I don't even think they do that anymore. Um, then I worked in a metal shop, believe it or not, as a fabricator. Anyway, working in a metal shop in Virginia in the summer is hot. Oh, yeah. So, uh, then I became an engineer, and I was a cubicle dweller, uh, and that was less than no fun. So then I worked for Starbucks. And uh, along the way, I decided to become a doctor. Wow. So, and I, I practiced. I had a, a practice the way you think of for about 10 years. Then I got an offer to take kind of an enterprise job for a health system. So I took that and then I got to go to business school as part of that. <clears throat> and now I kind of do my enterprise job and other stuff like um, deprive villages of idiots on uh, podcasts. And what's that? What? What? What was what? What is deprived village of idiots on podcasts? What is that? Oh, that was uh, that was a classic uh, British Army evaluation of low performing soldiers. Uh, this man is depriving a village of an idiot somewhere. Hmm. I have a dry humor. Yeah, you got me. That one went right over my head, man. Um, and here we are. You have 
a lot of letters after your name. And is that reflective of the the journey leading here? Uh, you know, obviously we've got the MD, the MBA, you just spoke of those. The CPE, is that the the engineer piece? No. <clears throat> um, I I no longer have any valid engineering credentials. They've all expired. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> CPE is Certified Physician Executive. Oh, okay. Okay. And you got CHCQM. What's that one? You have to, I apologize for my ignorance. On oh, no. That, that, that is a certification in healthcare, healthcare quality and management. So that, uh, that carries the cash out of being a uh, fellow of the American Board of Utilization. Uh, that I'm sure it sounds fast, everyone. Yeah. And then the, the last one I see here is FACHE. What's that one? That is fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives. Nice. Okay. Now that um, I've got that clear and out of the way, I appreciate that. <laughs> I love just having just a little bit of knowledge on it. Um, the thing that stood out to me, so we've been back and forth a little bit uh, on messaging uh, to to have you here on the show. Thank you for your time, Jody. I really appreciate it. And oh, the no one problem. thing that popped out to me is um, a, a little brief discussion we had about leverage and who should use it and who shouldn't use it. When it comes to real estate, I would love to just jump right into that conversation with you because it's it is a double edged sword. And who should who shouldn't? I mean, there's so many things to to look at here. Good debt versus bad debt. And is any debt good debt? Uh, So many things that we can bounce around on. But first of all, tell me a little bit about your real estate uh, experience so far. Well, I'm a fan of the I'm, I'm a fan of the no leverage concept. I think it was Dave Ramsey uh, on one of his talks. Someone called in and said, "I got a lump sum. Should I pay off my mortgage or invest it?" And he said, um, "I've never met a person who had no bills that went bankrupt. So why don't you pay off your mortgage? And in three months, if you miss having it, you can go get another." Um, so real estate for me, uh, I am a, and this applies in a certain a certain way really to in a physicians the physicians role in modern society has changed dramatically and they're kind of transient you can lose your job based on corporate decision making pretty quickly so i'm not a huge fan of debt leverage for physicians um physicians specifically finished school with an egregious amount of debt already. And I see a lot of very young doctors charging off in the direction of, you know, attempting to flip individual real estate properties or things like that. And I always tell them, whoa, 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 cool it. Sit tight for five years. If you really want to get into this, you have no idea how much work it is. So maybe you want to do a syndication or something. Okay. Get get steady ground under your feet. You know, some of them listen to me, some of them don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an accidental landlord. Uh, I have a I have a place in Virginia that I really really like, so I just kept it when I moved for this job. And I've been blessed with good renters and a good rental management company. But I mean, it really is an accidental thing. I never planned on holding investment real estate. I'd call it I'd call it under diversification, really. Under diversification, meaning that in your current investment strategy, under diversification. Um, well, if if I hadn't already had it, I wouldn't hold single family homes as a, a single investment basis. 
you know, if you want real estate coverage, there are plenty of real estate index funds you can get your hands on. Interesting. <laughs> if you're really interested, you can do a syndication. Mm-hmm. Syndicate carry the diverse, you know, carry the diversification benefit, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they find some of the benefits of direct real estate ownership, meaning depreciation. Depreciation. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's not. There's not going to be a, a syndication, but you know. Sorry, broke up just a little bit there. There's not going to be a what? There's not going to be a 1031 exchange on a real estate syndication, typically. Correct. Yeah, they open, they run, and they close. Some of them are evergreen, so they keep going. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, in your perspective, Jody, is there a way in which leverage would make sense? Well, that depends on what your debt-to-income ratio is and things like that. Okay. Okay, there are plenty of people in the military that leverage real estate. That's a famous way to do it. I personally wouldn't want to do that because I don't like to carry debt. But there are plenty of people that get moved uh, every five, six years in the military and buy a house at each place they're living in. Mm-hmm. My other my other kick on that for doctors is that real estate is hardly passive. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, you know, if, you, if you want to be a good doctor, work on being a good doctor. If you want to be if you want to be a full time real estate investor, that's a full time job. Yeah, absolutely. Two different spectrums. So, and and in this conversation, I'm not. I am in no way trying to persuade you. We're definitely on two different sides of the world when it comes to um, opinions on leverage and um, use of real estate. And I'm not a physician. I am a full-time investor and can appreciate both, you know, all different perspectives going at it. So I'm just, I'm just digging deeper to see where, where, um, I guess, is there a middle ground for, for physicians to be able to potentially leverage? Or, I mean, what would you say is the best path for physicians if they're interested in real estate or should they be interested in real estate? I don't know that they should be outside of a syndication or, you know, an index type fund, because like I said, real estate is not really passive. (laughs) It's pretty active. Mm -hmm. If you're a full time, if you are a real estate guy, then that's your job. The physician's job is being a physician. Very interesting. Um, do you have any questions for me? I'd like to flip this around as a real estate investor. Do you have any questions for me that that uh, maybe you've bumped up against through the years or anything? Um, well, my question would always be, if you are a leveraged real estate investor, how do you handle diversification? And I would That's need to know. If you're, if you're a full-time real estate investor, um, do you ever carry any other holdings or do you so, keep all your basket. No, I I mean, for me personally, I've got a variety of things happening. I'm sure a a lot of people would be that way from stocks. um, I've got, I call writing a book, a passive investment because it's a one-time deal. And that's, I love that thing because that's the most passive income that I have uh, royalties and, um, you know, from book sales, those kinds of things. Inside real estate itself, I've got, I feel I'm diversified inside real estate from asset classes themselves and from exit strategies themselves. So um, this may be a little bit different too, Jody, because I am full-time. This is my 100% focus, but I vary from wholesaling. So I've got assignments, I've got um, fix and flips, I've got buy and holds and the buy and holds, I flipped a hold and I've got long-term 
and I've got short term. And then I've got multiple markets that I'm in as well, too. So I feel that throughout that path, is it is diversified. Um, and then in the next six to 12 months, I plan on stepping into syndication as an LP uh, and then being a GP, uh, maybe even a sponsor on, on that path as well, too. So kind of like spreading the gamut. So is that, I mean... Is that not diversification then? Uh, well, no. I mean, you buy one share of, say, VTI, you own a proportional share of every stock traded, all industries, all sectors. Okay. So I also, that you talk yeah, like. Yeah. There's been some classic uh, financial studies that <clears throat> really show just uh, inverse proportion between risk and diversification. So the more you hold, the less risk you carry. I, I'm a fan of de-risking portfolios. Mm-hmm. So concentration in one sector, real estate, would be high risk, high reward. That's how it works. There, there are people who make a lot of money off cryptocurrency. That's super high risk, super high reward. Interesting. So in my approach, then you don't see that as being diversified because each item falls in the same sector. Okay. So real estate's a sector. Interesting. No, energy is a sector. Manufacturing's a sector. Interesting. Um, and then for for me as a leveraged real estate investor, where where are some risk points that you see for me? Where are my fail points? Well, you know, the leverage is the fail point. Now, leverage is a tool you can use to improve returns. And they make you do, in business school, we actually did very, you know, various forms of leverage analysis. So, you know, any, any kind of, any kind of active trading on margin is a leverage. And purchasing anything on margin is a leverage. Um, short sales, anything like that. So, you know, that's not something that the average investor needs to get into. Yeah. I, I sorry, my microphone. I, I don't mess around with anything of that definitely outside of my niche but i'm talking specifically about leverage so i i acquire a house for a hundred thousand and um i put twenty thousand dollars worth of renovation into this property it appraises for much higher and it enables me to pull a majority of my money back out Uh, in those scenarios i find it's easy for us to double our return and what my specific question is, where does that fail? Just, just because having leverage, uh, having a loan on a property doesn't mean that you're going to fail. So the specific question is where, what would cause me to fail as a leveraged real estate investor? Oh, um, cash flow failure. So you can't make the payments. Uh, lack of a buyer. So. If you bought something a year ago and interest rates have shot up, so now people are less interested in buying. If you can't afford to hold that till interest rates drop again, then you're going to have a problem. So when we, when we, uh, acquire to hold, we're acquiring at a given rate. We lock into the rate, uh, and we anticipate uh, certain expenses and we have reserves to carry a dry spell, whether it's six months or 12 months of that payment, does that still present a, a fail scenario 
Well, it depends on uh, how long. It depends on how long it sits unsold or unused. Yeah, these are these are unknowns. So unknowns are failure points. Mm-hmm. Would you say that a failure point is also not taking risk? Oh, absolutely. Risk and return are intimately involved. Okay, mm-hmm. so I don't need a whole lot of return at this point, so I don't take a whole lot of risk. Mm-hmm. I'm what older. Are you, what are you, <laughs> what are your go to? spots to to mitigate that risk and have that consistent return well i do basically 65 percent stocks 35 percent bonds of those stocks they are divided into you know total market small cap international and international small cap okay and you got that covers pretty much every stock traded in the free world very interesting and then what's your what's 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 your risk there where's your fail point there or not in yours necessarily but where's a fail point in that scenario well there isn't really a whole lot of them you know because these are index-based funds if a single company out of that fails it's dropped out of the index and what happens in like 07 08 and then um like on the front side of covid i mean because whenever when everybody goes up everybody also goes down right same thing as 2003, 1995, 1987. You remember that one? That was a good one. Black Monday. Mm-hmm. You buy more. You do what? You buy more. Mm-hmm. So never sell. Is that, that, that's the way you ride through it. Yeah. Yeah. You ignore it. All of it's, uh, yeah. And this is, this is pretty typical Burton Malcolm. You know, that, that is all statistical noise. Interesting. Do you have any other questions for me? I, I love flipping the script here and, and having you um, present questions to me. What other, what other kind of things? So if I were coming to you, Jody, and saying, hey, you should invest in real estate, um, what are some other things that you would you know, ask me about? Mm, I probably wouldn't because I'd say thanks, but no, I've already got it covered. Interesting. All right. Well, man, I appreciate your time. I love that the the perspective here. And for me, again, just asking the questions because I always love learning and I love um, I love understanding where fail points are. And I've talked about this before on the show, the, the Jahari window effect of, um, you know, working, communicating and having those, I guess, brought to light. Um, being a fan of Ramsey, being a fan of uh, no debt, low debt, smart debt, you know, bad debt, all of this kind of stuff. I, I love it. I love it all. I love talking about it. And uh, man, I just really appreciate your time here, Jody. What What was one thing, if you could go back 15 years and you could stand next to somebody like you, whether they were in this path from the newspaper to the, uh, what was it, to the engineer, to the doctor, to inside of the enterprise, what was something that you would tell that person who may be on a similar path as you? Um, I would tell them to take advantage of geographic arbitrage earlier. I lived in a high cost of living area until about seven years ago. And what, how would they take advantage of, of that? Well, when you, and, th- and this is, this is more, this is more B school talking. When you move to less desirable areas, the demand for skilled labor rises. Okay. So the, the value of your skill set increases. So <clears throat> if an organization needs a skill set, they're going to have to pay it more to bring it to a less desirable area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the 
skill that's in demand gets paid more and the cost of living is less. Now, where I live has one of the lowest <coughs> cost of livings in uh, America. Mm-hmm. So, and there, there's some weird stuff with how doctors get paid. I, you know, you can't, you can't be paid more than fair market value or you get into trouble with the government. But the rel, excuse me, the relative salary increases because you're living in a place where the cost of living is low. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, interesting advice. And I've heard that, I've actually heard that said before, um, uh, from a, from a guest who was not necessarily forced to travel, but the path, um, required. So whether it was through residency, um, you know, attending fellowship, all of that stuff, you're bouncing around, bouncing around. And this particular guest would live out of suitcases just because they bounced around so much. But that guest, um, has ended up in a, in a smaller market and mentioning the same thing, um, being paid at a higher rate in that not necessarily less desirable market, but not one that you would, uh, you know, find on your wall of dreams. Absolutely. You know, there, there has to be a driving reason to get people to say Fargo, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. That's a fairly brutal winter. Yeah. A long uh, one. <laughs> yeah. A long one. Yeah. So yeah. companies are going to have to, relatively speaking, pay more. And, yeah. uh, yeah, one of the, a famous example is the Mayo Clinic. So you've heard of that, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, how did they form the Mayo Clinic? I found this fascinating. I had to take my boards there. Mm-hmm. How do you get that many legendary physicians into Rochester, Minnesota? How do you do that? Uh, well, the state of Minnesota at the time, now I doubt they do this anymore, Decreed that physicians could get interest-free mortgages hmm. at the Mayo Clinic. Interesting. I remember finding that out. That's interesting. Interesting. Well, sir, thank you for your time. I've enjoyed our conversation. And I like the fact that it was difference of opinion. Uh, we're on two different sides of the of the uh, investor world here, risk world. Uh, but man, I love it. I love chatting with you. And I really appreciate you coming on and accepting the invitation, man. Uh, no problem. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, until the next time, if, um, man, if you, if anybody out there listening to the show today shares the opinion of Jody here with, uh, whether through experience or through the Ramsey world, uh, let's, let's give you, let's get you on the show. Email us at info at physicianwellsystems.com. If you know somebody that, uh, maybe investing on the, the pure cash basis, uh, we'd love to chat with them as well, too. If you have any questions for us, just shoot us an email. Uh, and until then, until the next time, thank you for your time and thank you for your attention, uh, whether it's early morning, late night, uh, on your way home, going through the office, going through the hospital. We really appreciate that you you intentionally gave us your time this, today. We'll talk to you on the next show. Real Estate Mogul MD. Thank you.